0: Back to bed, America. Your government is in control. Read my lips. Just send your cash. There has never been so many lies, so much deception. (laughs) Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Ah! Please clap. It's time for the Mike Madison Show, a new breed of conservative talk. Now, here's your host. Mike Madison. Zota.
1: Woo!
2: All right. Good morning. Welcome to the Mike Madison Show here at 1039 WIAB. As usual, thanks for joining me today. When I, when I write out my show notes... I don't typically give them a title because I might cover a bunch of different things, but today, my, I'm just looking at my notes, my title is Snowflakes! with an exclamation part uh, point after it. Now this is just for my consumption, <laughs> but that's what we're doing. So today, uh, before too many people get too excited, let me tell you, the, uh, the definition of snowflakes has expanded dramatically over the last couple of months to incorporate a whole lot of people that I would not have accused of uh, uh, of it just this past summer, but we're going to take a look at some of the, the busybodies, the authoritarians, and all kinds of different costumes, but we're going to start today off with something pretty funny. There was nothing where we saw more snowflakes uh, than it came than when it came to COVID. We certainly saw people, and I'm still seeing them. Oh, I had a short stint in Mississippi. I was, I'm reporting from the road yet again, I had a short stint in Mississippi, and the number of masks in the North Jackson Kroger was depressing. It's just depressing. I have seriously considered, there have been about every two months, I see reference to a new study that's come out. And the most recent one I saw was a study that said not only are these things completely ineffective, you are more likely to get COVID. If you are a mask wearer, this was a study out of Japan, I believe. And and I've been thinking to myself because I'm not a jerk, I, I I'm sorry that these people have been conditioned because we're three years out now and people are still wearing these things. And I, I've thought about should I, should I just carry a little piece of paper, maybe with a link to the study. I I, I don't know people. I could carry maybe the the summary of the study with a link to it if they were interested and just hand it out, to try to free people from the mask. I am the Harriet Tubman. <laughs> I'm the Underground Railroad out of the mask community. But, I, you know, I think that would offend people. I might get a punch in the face. And I'm not trying to come off that way. I truly want to tell people this is so unhealthy for you. But, uh, this is just something with a little humor, a little COVID humor from a comedian that I ran across. I, I think she she makes a good point here. May I ask you a question? When do we get to quit telling people we've had COVID? My sister-in-law called me the other day. And she said, well, I hate to tell you this, but we were together last week. And so I just got to let you know I've got COVID. I said, I don't care. I don't. I'm sorry you can't taste nothing, but I don't give a flip, okay? I'm sorry. I had diarrhea three nights ago, but I ain't calling you telling you about it. Who says women can't be funny? (laughs) Not me. Not me. I've known some very, very funny women. Uh, They're not always the most successful comedians. There's bad comedians that are men. I don't know why I'm going off on this tangent. probably just getting myself in trouble, but that's that's so true. COVID is still this thing where people feel the need to announce that they've had it. Uh, but, you know, I don't know. I guess we told each other when we had the flu too. Uh, another snowflake, another control freak. Let me Let me show you what life is like. If you're one of these people that has been infected with a level of paranoia. Now, I could probably be charged with some level of paranoia myself, lest I become a hypocrite on this show, because I believe that the elites are out to get us. (laughs) I think I've got great evidence for that, but the bottom line is, I don't trust them. Not a one of them. I don't trust them. But uh, when it comes to things like COVID or climate, I'll just show you how these things can just ruin your time here on Earth. This is a This was a tweet put out by a doctor, Thomas Smith. Now, he is, in his bio, an associate professor of LSG Geography, Environmental Change and Sustainability, Wildfire Emissions and Models, Tropical Peat, (laughs) P-E-A-T. Isn't that like moss? Is this somebody that is a a specialist in tropical moss? Uh, And then Innovative Climate Education, hashtag first gen. So this guy is steeped. His entire living is made uh, on being a climate alarmist. But listen to what this does to your life. This is his tweet. It's a thread. He felt really to explain this thing as a thread along with pictures, which I'll describe. He says, so I spent yesterday evening having a quiet night in. At around 11 p.m., I began to smell smoke, quote, inside my flat, unquote. I, I, I take that from this. This guy must be British. I went out to investigate. (laughs) This is a somewhat angry, but evidence-based, wood-burning thread. Trigger warning for urban wood burners. And this is his thread. said, I live in inner London. My flat is offset from a road by a building and a car park. Gardens on either side. All my windows and doors were closed, but below an air vent in my bedroom, I measured... 34. Now, I can't even, I don't even know what these are. UGs per M3s of PM2 dot, dash uh, or dot five, close to unhealthy. So I left my flat to investigate. So the, the air, he, he smelled somebody cranking up their fireplace. At 11 o'clock at night, He goes out to investigate this crime against humanity of starting your fireplace. And with each one of these posts, he's got this little meter, I guess. It's a little digital meter where he shows us the air quality everywhere. I had a very good idea where this smoke was coming from. After a short walk upwind from my flat, I headed to the pub on the opposite side of the road from my estate. And not for a pint! (laughs) Exclamation point. They were burning wood on an open fire. This is illegal. More details below. (laughs) To start with, it's an offense to emit smoke from a chimney in a smoke control area, all of, and then I guess this is his neighborhood. Smoke isn't always visible, but this illegal fire was producing obviously thick smoke billowing from the pub's chimney towards council flats and student housing opposite. Okay, I'm already exhausted reading this. It's an entire thing where he goes all around the city block to the pub with his little meter where he's taking pictures of what his meter is reading and and talking about the unhealthy uh, air quality with this stuff. Again, remember, this is 11 o'clock at night. This guy felt the need to, I would assume, get dressed, go out, probably pretty cool outside, got to put a coat on, got to put your shoes... Shoe. I mean, you know what I'm saying... It's a fire. For us normal people out there, and maybe this isn't for everybody, but boy, you know, when the fall hits and you, you smell that first that first chimney firing up, it's such a warm, comforting feel. My childhood home had a three-sided fireplace. It was built kind of on a peninsula. I loved the house I grew up in architecturally. Very unique for its time, being built in the 1960s. But I remember wadding up the newspaper with my dad, laying some newspapers down there, putting the kindling in and then putting... Just the whole thing. It's such a warm, comforting feeling. It brings some level of joy. And surprisingly enough, I've lived to a ripe middle age at least, and my father lived well into his 90s, burning this, this wood thing. But anyway, I, I don't know if this lands with everybody else, but this is how this stuff, not only the masks... Buying into the COVID hysteria, but buying into the climate hysteria also—it just destroys joy in your life. Where you can see all of these these hidden dangers everywhere and immediately be triggered by them. So there's a there's snowflake number one. Uh, let's see the the way I want to do this show. Let me figure out if this is a good time for a break or. Yeah, I'll tell you what, I'll go ahead and separate these out and I'll come back and talk about the new class of snowflake that I'm seeing. Holy cow, it's like a snowflake tsunami. I guess that would be considered a blizzard, right? We've got a blizzard going on in this country right now when it comes to snowflakes. We'll get to that when we come back. Stick around. You know, I always wonder when I tease something talking about snowflakes. I've already kind of, I've laid the groundwork. I've said that, you know, snowflakes now come in all kinds of different shapes and sizes and colors and ideologies. We have a whole new breed of snowflakes out there. By teasing that, I would imagine maybe the regular listeners of my show already know where I'm going. I always wonder, is it a good tease? You're wondering what I'm going to talk about? Or do you you automatically go, okay, I know where he's going with this. Well, anyway... I'm going to melt some snowflakes here today, and they may call to have me fired, but don't get too excited because snowflakes, as I said, are very different today than they were just a couple of months ago. Because up to a couple of months ago, I thought the cries of racism were bad. You know what I'm talking about. If you, and there was a little bit of this during the Obama administration. Well, I would say there's probably even a lot of it. You know, if you didn't like our first black president, you were just automatically a racist. It wasn't of his socialist policies. It wasn't because he, he did Obamacare, which was a giant giveaway to the health insurance industry on the backs of the American people. No, you couldn't criticize him because you'd be a racist. But that, that's spread out over, what, maybe the last 10 years we've really kind of been in this trap of any disagreement gets you, you charged with racism or sexism or, or uh, you know, transphobia. We're, we're kind of used to that. But I'll tell you what, the charges of anti-Semitism, and, and even the worst one is Jew hate, are flying everywhere. There are large groups of Hasidic Jews, and I don't really know the distinction. I've already given my bona fides in this area. I dated a Jewish girl for four years. I have no problem with Jewish people. As a matter of fact, most of her friends that went to temple were some of my best friends growing up in high school. There a problem with Jewish people, but I don't know a whole lot about them. I don't know what the difference in the, the Hasidic Jews are compared to Orthodox Jews, to traditional Jews. I, I really don't know. But boy, large groups of Hasidic Jews are being labeled as anti-Semitic in Israel. Large groups, apparently the Hasidic Jews, are not down with Zionism and the expansion of Israel and the mass wholesale slaughter of the people in Palestine. And they've been holding rallies to this effect. People are labeling Hasidic Jews Jew-haters. I mean, this is just bizarre. You will see footage of some of these Hasidic Jews that go out into the streets and they protest with their signs in Israel, and the cops are throwing them to the ground. I think the charge is self-hating Jew is what they get. And so we know what it is, is just that, you know, when people get confronted with an idea they don't like, we've seen it for 10 years, they just scream at you, racism, anti-vaxxer. Anybody who disagrees with me is an anti-middle-aged straight white male. I'm right about everything, but you just disagree with me because you hate me and everybody who looks like me. It's just absolutely ridiculous. You're a racist, a sexist, an anti-vaxxer. You know, and, and we, we saw where that went when you had people who got the vaccine, who started to get the facts in around this thing or were injured themselves. And they came out and talked about their injury. and They were labeled anti-vaxxers, even though they're fully vaccinated. They rolled up their sleeves willingly for these things. Now they're, it's just bizarre. But I tell you what, for sheer concentration of charges of things, I don't know I've ever seen anything this intense with the anti-Semitic. And what the, the worst one, I, for some reason, I think this is worse. This, you're a Jew hater. This is what people are saying. They're saying it online. They're saying it in publications. They're saying it everywhere. And we've had this for a while. Everyone that the left hates is a fascist, right? Everybody that the right hates is a communist. The the strange thing about it is that both of these groups are actually authoritarians themselves. <laughs> so it's kind of bizarre, but we're, we're going to get into that in just a second. But I made reference to the wholesale slaughter of the Palestinian people right now, and I may not have people on my side there. I, I've heard from many of you. You're not with me on this, so I was happy to have a little bit of reinforcements. Uh, One of the things I've really talked about on this show for years now, being your only anti-war, professed anti-war, not anti-self-defense. I've said it a million times, makes me sleep good to know we've got a proficient military that could be, could be, guarding our borders and keeping us safe in the United States. Instead, we send them halfway around the world to fight and die in the sand and the mud or wherever, the jungle. So I'm not, I'm not anti-violence. If violence is visited upon us, then violence can be a reaction to that, to me. I'm not a pacifist, but I am anti-war. And I've said one thing for many, many years. It's not good for your soul to cheer for people to die. We've seen some of the ghouls in Washington, D.C. over the past couple of years celebrating, almost salivating. Feel like they're, they're getting some kind of a sexual charge. People like Lindsey Graham about dead Russians, dead Russian kids who did nothing wrong but just grow up in Russia and be drafted into their military or or sign up to serve their country. And Lindsey Graham, Nikki Haley's, Hillary Clinton's, the neocons, the warmongers, they just salivate thinking about these young kids dying in a trench over there. They'll say things like, We we need to kill more Russians. They say these things out loud. And and I I have cautioned people since the day I came on air and said, You know, this cheering for death, it's not good for your soul. I've thought about it a lot. I don't think I've ever done it on the show. It's been in my notes for weeks. Because I've been shocked to listen to some of the people who are just opposing a ceasefire opposing an ending of the bombings. They're, they're actually cheering for the bombings, hope the bombings get worse, hope that, uh, the, that the Gaza area and areas of the Middle East that might support Gaza are turned into glass. And, I, and I've thought about it. If you walked into a room and there were two chairs, two chairs, two people sitting in a chair, one of them was Jesus and one of them was the devil, which one of them do you think would be saying, yes, keep the bombing going? And which one would be saying, yeah, let's stop the killing? I'm, I'm just asking because I've been stunned to hear people who are followers of the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, calling for more death and talking about people like they're savages. But I, I implore you, if you went into a room, do you think it's more likely that the devil or Jesus would say, yeah, keep the bombings going, no mercy, Doesn't feel like a Jesus thing to me. But, you know, I'm no religious scholar. That's a long run up to this that, you know, I love reinforcements for for what I say. And this was Tucker Carlson was on uh, comedian Dave Smith's Part of the Problem podcast. I can't recommend this podcast enough. It's about an hour long. It's got some funny stuff in it. Dave is a libertarian, but he's, you know, he's on Joe Rogan. You can hear him there. You don't want to, you want to hear, I mean, Joe Rogan likes him. And Tucker Carlson came on to uh, Dave Smith's Part of the Problem thing, and he said this, and I can't resist playing it. Maybe, maybe I've not made a difference in people's hearts or their minds about these kinds of things. Because the, the brainwashing around killing people around the world that we might disagree with or we've been convinced is the air quotes here in the studio enemy. Nobody has convinced me since I broke the change, the mental change of being a Kool-Aid-drinking, neocon, warmongering Republican back in the 1990s, nobody any longer can convince me that a four-year-old anywhere is my enemy. (laughs) I've had four-year-olds. I've raised two four-year-olds. I was around a lot of four-year-olds. I didn't like all of them. Some of them, eh, kind of jerks. But I've never thought that they were my enemy, and Lindsey Graham or Hillary Clinton, or Joe Biden, or Jake Sullivan, and none of them are going to convince me that this four-year-old somewhere around the world is my enemy. But we've been convinced of that. The brainwashing is, is very intense. It's the only way they can get away with meta, uh, this military adventurism and wholesale slaughter of entire groups of people around the world. They've got to first make you cheer for it, support it. And we have for, what, 80 years now. More on that later. But, if I have not made a difference, I know there is one change maker that it was in the mainstream media and is now out on his own even reaching even more people and that's Tucker Carlson. I think he's pretty widely admired by the people that I speak to on this show, so I wanted you to hear from Tucker Carlson what his thoughts are on this war while he doesn't take a side, he just talks about the idea of what we're seeing and and the fact that people are cheering for
0: it there's a there's this old uh Adam's quote, and man, I'm going to butcher it, but he said it's something like if we, if we go around the world searching for, for wars, we'll become the dictress of the world, but we will lose our own soul. That's right. And there's something about that, right? Like happening right away. Like, okay, here's the trade. It's like this. Here's the trade, you know, yeah. empire for your soul. And that's that's kind of the deal, and and then of course that's after World War II springs up the whole what we know as the national security apparatus today, the creation of the CIA and kind of this whole. But it's you know. also it does it it does affect us on the level of our souls. I mean, you you should not commit violence except in extraordinary circumstances related to your self defense, and that's true in your own home. Your wife pisses you off, you shouldn't punch her in the face. That's grotesque. It's a crime. And the idea that you sort of wave away civilian casualties or even military casualties as no big deal or the cost of doing business or something we should celebrate is disgusting. And I don't care. Look, I hated Osama bin Laden. He killed 3,000 of my countrymen, including someone I know. But when he was killed, it's like, I'm, I'm glad the threat is gone, but I'm not gonna celebrate the shooting of another person. And I don't care because, not because he didn't deserve to die. He did deserve to die. But because celebrating people getting shot is bad for me. And if you have an entire country that's like, oh yeah, we you know burned down this city and that's great. No, no, no. You should never celebrate violence or you will become a monster. It's super simple. And every, I mean, that's all through the Old Testament, by the way, everyone's like, oh, the Old Testament's so violent. Really? David, who committed a lot of violence, spends all of his time talking about, oh man, violence is bad. People who commit violence know how bad it is. Talk to someone who shot someone else in war. They're very against violence for a reason. And when we're celebrating it, Nationally, as a culture, I, I think we've really lost something important. One hundred percent, man. Amen.
2: I, like I say, I mean, you know, <laughs> I understand my influence is minuscule, minuscule. I appreciate the listeners who say it. I give them something to think about. That's the only thing the show is for. It's for just making you go, huh. You know, my transformation into an independent free thinker was listening to people I didn't agree with and going, Huh. I never thought about that before. That's the whole purpose of the show. And my delivery is not always great. Sometimes it's snide. Sometimes it's sarcastic. Sometimes it may be condescending. I try not to do that, but I'm pretty sure that I do. But Tucker Carlson, on the other hand, has probably opened up a lot of minds during his tenure in the spotlight over the past five to eight years, particularly when he was at Fox and even more so now that he's just hosting a show on Twitter. So there's Tucker Carlson. We're losing our soul. Even if you believe that Hamas is an evil organization that deserves to be defeated, more on that in just a little bit, uh, cheering for endless bombardment of civilian areas and just accepting this idea of four-year-old children being human shields and so it's okay, God help you if you're ever, in a, uh, you're ever kidnapped in a bank. You know, we see this in the movies all the time, right? A guy's robbing a bank. The cops show up. They grab one of you by the neck, and they stand behind him. God help you if in our new world where, oh, look, he was hiding behind that person, so we blew them both away. I mean, we got the bad guy. What difference does it make? I mean, it's not our fault that he had a hostage there. It's his fault. He took the hostage, so we just blew the hostage away, and then we killed the robber. God help you if you're that hostage, right? We're setting some new precedents that I don't think are especially productive for us. But anyway, great to have Tucker uh, on the same side of uh, that particular issue. Got to take a break. I'll come right back. More snowflakes. All right, we are back. This is the Mike Madison Show 1039 W-Y-A-B. And now for something completely different. I've got a I've got to clip that from Monty Python. I think I've got it clipped, but I don't have a good setup while I'm on the road to play that because I could probably play it before every segment. It's things you're not going to hear on conservative talk radio here. And particularly pointing out the new snowflake movement on the right. Come on, people. As uh, I think it was Dave Smith just said... Tucker Carlson just said, basically, beware. You know, uh, what is the the phrase? You know, be, beware of becoming what you've been fighting against. Well, boy, I have the, the the snowflake movement has become a blizzard, and it's not just on the left; it's on the right as well. This was a tweet put out by Laura Loomer. Now, I think my understanding is I'm not a big uh, Laura Loomer. Let's see, she says investigative journalist, founder of Loomered host of Loomer Unleashed, former Project Veritas operative, America First, and then for some reason she has a Jewish star, Feisty Jewess and Receipt Queen. Uh, she's a, I guess, a kind of a conservative influencer. I think she's pretty big Trump, isn't she? Is she big Trump or anti-Trump? Anyway, I don't know. She's she's a flamethrower. I'm sure she said things that I could agree with, but just eh, not my style. But here's what the snowflake, the new right-wing snowflakes are up to these days. Laura Loomer posts this on Twitter. Representative Thomas Massey is an anti-Semite, period. That's the first sentence of her tweet. There's no, I disagree with what he did. And and for context, uh... Thomas Massey voted against this new anti free speech bill that went through Congress, where basically you can't say things that are deemed by the government anti Semitic. You see how weird this is? Isn't this the conversation we were having about the left just what, six weeks ago, eight weeks ago? Where they were trying to police language, and everybody on the right was just up in arms saying, You can't censor us. We believe in free speech. We're going to Twitter where Elon Musk is because we want our free speech. Then suddenly, October 7th happens, and all oh, that's over. Now the right wants to control what you said. They found their red line and they are trying to label everybody that disagrees with them. Thomas Massey was just saying he believes in free speech all the time. And the most important part about protecting free speech is protecting speech you don't like. There's nothing important or special about protecting speech that everybody loves. That doesn't need to be protected, does it? It is protecting speech that is unpopular, and Thomas Massey, one of the few on the right, if not the only one on the right, who actually believes in free speech, even if he doesn't want to hear what somebody has to say on this topic, he believes that they have the right to say it. For Laura Loomer, that means automatically, of course, anyone, anyone, Representative Thomas Massey is an anti-Semite. She goes on to say, we're dealing with the rising threats of pro-Hamas and pro-Hezbollah terrorist activity in America. And he's basically saying you can't be an American patriot and also be a Zionist. No, he's saying it's not patriotic to censor speech. You knew this, Laura Loomer, eight weeks ago. You would have been full-throated in taking down anybody from the left with their charges of racism or sexism or transphobia But now, because it's about this particular issue, you're throwing around anti-Semite. She says the threats Israel is facing are very much our threats, too. Well, I wonder why. Could it be that it's American bombs that are dropping on the heads of Muslim people for the last 50 years? We're, We're the ones that actually support Israel's bombing by giving them the weapons and giving them the money to do it and the the wink and the nod, to go ahead and knock yourselves out, do whatever you want to. Maybe that's why it's our problem, too. Not because we're Americans, not because they hate us for our freedom, as George Bush tried to gaslight us into believing. But maybe it's because we are participating in the wholesale bombing of country after country after country in the Middle East. She says, our cities all across America are being terrorized by Palestinian jihadists. Really? Really? That, that definition of terrorism really kind of strikes me as what they, you know, just a few weeks ago when they were calling uh, all Trump supporters domestic terrorists. We thought that was absolutely ridiculous. But uh, people who are out there protesting the bombing in Palestine, not all terrorists, some bad people. Now, let me go on the record with this, too. Boy, there are some horrific and horrible protests against uh, Israel. Some of the pro Palestinian protests, I think they are actually, uh, I think it's a plan. Here's where my paranoia comes in. I believe that group of people uh, has been taken over and they're given the worst strategies ever to just really continue the division and the hate between people. Because I look at some of these pro Palestinian protests and just go, oh, you idiots. You disgusting idiots! You know they're they're disrupting Christmas services. They they are just like the stop oil people who stop traffic or trash works of art. Just despicable stuff. That's not going to give them get them any friends. It's not going to draw more support to their cause. You know, a million-person peaceful protest, just chanting and talking about the the sadness and the tragedy of all of the deaths that are taking place right now, that probably brings some people in. A lot of people are kind of hardwired to say, yeah, it is kind of bad to see innocent people die. Of course, not everybody feels that way. (laughs) A lot of people are cheering it on, but you know what I mean. But their strategies, oh, these these anti-Israel, pro-Palestinian protests are absolutely horrible, absolutely horrible. But anyway, there's Laura Loomer. Snowflaking out on Representative Thomas Massey because he voted in favor of free speech. But of course, uh, these Republicans, these conservatives believe in free speech until they disagree with the speech. Uh, Here's another one. This is, uh, what's this girl's name? Uh, Elaine, uh, Elise Stefanik. And she's talking to somebody that I don't like. This is the president of Harvard. But listen to her clutch her pearls on this stuff.
1: A Harvard student calling for the mass murder of African Americans is not protected free speech at Harvard, correct? Our commitment to free speech. It's a yes or no question. Is that corrected? Is that okay for students to call for the mass murder of African Americans at Harvard? Is that protected free speech? Our commitment to free speech It's a yes or no question. Let me ask you this. You are president of Harvard, so I assume you're familiar with the term intifada, correct? I've heard that term, yes. And you understand that the use of the term intifada in the context of the Israeli-Arab conflict is indeed a call for violent armed resistance against the state of Israel, including violence against civilians and the genocide of Jews. Are you aware of that? That type of hateful speech is personally abhorrent to me. And there have been multiple marches at Harvard with students chanting, quote, there is only one solution, Intifada revolution, and, quote, globalize the Intifada. Is that correct?
2: Okay. So here we go. Uh, (laughs) You can email the station anytime you want to and ask them for them to cancel me. Let's take a look at Intifada. As uh, Elise Stefanik clutches her pearls that now there are protests that she disagrees with, so she wants them kicked off campus. She wants them thrown out of school. Now, six weeks ago, had there been a you know a pro-life rally, if there had been anything on the right that was attacked by the left ridiculously, if Ann Coulter wanted to speak and they shut down, you know what I mean. We've seen all of these right-wing people kicked off of campuses and stripped of their rights to free speech. Uh, Elise Stefanik and Laura Loomer would be up in arms saying, it's the First Amendment, it's the very first one. But when it comes to something that they don't like, uh, what they have to do to make themselves sleep a little better is start redefining words. So let's look at the definition of intifada. This is from the American Heritage Dictionary: a protracted grassroots, protracted, excuse me, a protracted grassroots campaign of protest and sometimes violent resistance against perceived oppression or military occupation especially either of the two uprisings among Palestinian Arabs in the Gaza Strip and West Bank, the first beginning in 1987 and the second one in 2000, in protest against, anyone, anyone, Israeli occupation of these territories. Another definition of intifada is an uprising, such as the Palestinian resistance to the 1987 Israeli occupation of the West Bank of the Jordan and the Gaza Strip, or the 2011 revolt against Assad's rule in Syria. An uprising by Palestinian Arabs in both the Gaza Strip and the West Bank against Israel in the late 1980s and again in 2000. That's what Intifada is. It is a grassroots campaign of protest and sometimes violent resistance against perceived oppression or military occupation. Now, I ask you people, I ask conservatives right now, tomorrow the Chinese parachute and and, uh, what did Hamas use, The, the planes, the gliders and stuff? They come in and they take over Mississippi and they occupy Mississippi. Suddenly they're bossing you around. They're in control of the food and the water and the medicine and your travel. Oh, your business that you've had generations in your family. Well, you can't get the supplies to keep running your business. It's gone. Maybe some of the uh, the patriotic Mississippians rise up against some of the Chinese, so they decided to just wholesale slaughter a whole bunch of people. Not everybody acted out against the Chinese, but a few Mississippians did, so they just wrecked a place and killed a bunch of people's kids and all that stuff. Would you not have an American intifada against or, or, or a violent protest. Violent. I'm talking about violent protest. If you were occupied by what you saw as a foreign force in Mississippi, if the Chinese occupied our states, I can only imagine the patriots and rednecks. And I'll join you. I would join you in that American intifada to fight back against Chinese occupation of our state. This does not happen. Do I... Do I believe that everybody with Hamas is just great and they're on the side of angels? Absolutely not, no. And what they did on October 7th was disgusting. But just like Vladimir Putin invading Ukraine was not a great thing. A lot of people have died for that the fact that people won't go before the invasion of ukraine and what happened to Russia over the 30 years preceding it and won't look at what the Palestinians have endured for 30 years previous to October 7th you you're 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 missing everything all context now in these protests I'm sure there's some people chanting death to Jews as I said there's some despicable people in these protests and and I would tell them the same thing I tell people uh, on the right or who are Israel sports don't Don't let them turn you into a blood-soaked monster. That's what they want. They want two sides equally cheering for the death of the other, because once you start crossing those lines, there's no coming back together. And then they've got you. they got you good and divided, don't they? I mean, they stoke some real hate. So to anybody in the Palestinian, plus it's ridiculous to say death to Jews. Man, there's some wonderful Jewish people out there. I'm not a big fan of the Vatican. I wouldn't say death to Catholics. There's some Catholics I think need to be stripped of, uh, you know, to be, need to be put on an island somewhere. But that doesn't mean all Catholics. There's not a single group of people that are all tainted in the same way because of the actions of a few people. So this is a big othering. I would tell people who are pro-Israel, don't cheer on the deaths of people in Palestine. I would tell the Palestinian, the pro-Palestinian people, don't be cheering on the deaths of, of innocent people in Israel. There's some great people in Israel, great Jewish people in Israel that have nothing to do with the oppression and the military occupation. So this, again, it, it's, it's all about separating us and dividing us, but the conservative clutching their pearls over this and then trying to redefine words and, descri- and, and ascribe motives to everybody on a college campus who is against the wholesale bombing of the Palestinian people, they go ahead and give them a motive, right? Every one of them hates all Jews and want to see all Jews dead. That's ridiculous. They tried to cast all Trump supporters in one big basket and ascribe all kinds of white supremacy. We know that's ridiculous, right? It's just that people can't see this. They can't, they can't take a step back. They're too, they're too in it. That's their plan for us. When I come back, uh, where this thing's going to end up, near as I can tell, uh, was in a very interesting congressional testimony, I believe, uh, yesterday or day before yesterday. We'll listen to that when we come back. Stick around. It's
0: so dark you can't see the end. Guys cocked back. Shotgun which can't defend the rain then sends dripping. Acidic questions. Forcefully. The power suggestion. Then with the eyes shut. Looking through the rust and rotten dust. A small spot of light floods the floor. And pours over the rusted world to pretend. And the eyes, these open and it's dark again. From the top to the bottom. Right on the top, I stop. At the core, I forgot
1: it.
2: All right, final segment for the day. Look, first of all, we've we've all been set up with this division, divide and conquer. It's not difficult, talked about endlessly, except that people don't think that they're being tricked into it, (laughs) right? Oh, yeah, it's divide and conquer. We don't like the elites, except for our elites that tell us to hate the other side, and then we go ahead and do that. I mean, we we pretend we understand divide and conquer, but we participate in it. It's very strange. Uh, So that's step number one. Step number two is making sure... Uh, we've laid the groundwork now, they, 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 not us, not us, they have laid the groundwork now for something big coming down the pike. This is Christopher Ray testifying in front of Congress, and this is what he had to say.
0: So what I would say that is unique about the environment that we're in right now in my career is that while there may have been times over the years where individual threats could have been higher here or there than where they might be right now, I've never seen a time where all the threats Or so many of the threats are all elevated all at exactly the same time. That's what makes this environment that we're in now so fraught and why funding our men and women who are working shoulder to shoulder with state and local law enforcement and other partners every day makes it even more important, not less. So blinking red lights analogy about 9-11, all the lights were
1: blinking red before 9-11. Apparently, obviously all of us missed it. Would you say that there's multiple blinking red lights out there? I see
0: blinking lights everywhere I turn.
2: Yeah, there you go. That was Sissy Graham playing along, playing his part there. They are setting us up for a big one. And unfortunately, the right is going to be so receptive to it. As soon as they have some kind of attack in the United States, it may be, uh, it may actually be a Muslim or a Palestinian that lashes out against our country because we are providing the means and the weapons to slaughter people in Gaza right now. So it could be uh, an actual, you know, of course, the FBI is very good at taking some lone nut job who posts something about an intifada on social media and providing them with transportation and money and explosives. (laughs) They're, They're very good about that and then busting him at the last minute, except this time maybe they won't bust him at the last minute. Maybe it'll just happen. It's strange. This is, the, uh, this is the anniversary of Pearl Harbor on today's show. Pearl Harbor that we knew was coming. President of the United States knew this was coming. You can look it up. Don't have time in the show today to get into what was a false flag when it comes to Pearl Harbor. But they wanted to get in that war. And they were, they were going to allow and did allow thousands of our soldiers to be killed to lead to the biggest, bloodiest war in the history of all mankind. Our government wanted in that war, our defense industry wanted in that war to make some money, and so they just let Pearl Harbor happen. They basically prompted the Japanese to do it. They put them into a corner where they had to lash out, and then they, when they knew the attack was coming, they stood down and just let it happen. And They went, oh my gosh, look what the Japanese did to us. We're in the war now. Yeah, so they're setting us up for something big. Sissy Graham and Christopher Ray. I, I can't even imagine who would hire Christopher Ray as an. Ep- oh, that's right. Never mind. I'm sorry. We don't talk about such things. <laughs> they're setting you up for something big. And unfortunately, I believe the right is going to be the ones jumping up and down because I already see it right now. There's Middle Easterners coming across the southern border. Here's the funny thing. For all of you who don't like to see this uncontrolled mass migration across the southern border of Middle Eastern uh, military-aged men, maybe don't bomb a whole nother portion of the Middle East and send them scurrying for their lives, full of hatred in their heart for the country that sub- supplied the bombs. If you don't want them coming across our southern border, why don't you let them stay in their homes where they were? Conservatives right now are cheering for the bombardment of two and a half, 2.3 million people in Gaza right now. And then when they show up here, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear your whining. Why are these Middle Eastern men coming over here? It's because we participated and you cheered for destroying their homes where they were. (laughs) Prediction, put it in the book. All the time I got today. Have a great one. I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.
0: It's time to handle business and we know what what to do. Me and my crew, we stay true, old school.